0: Welcome back, everybody, to episode three of the One to Pass podcast. And yes, it's time we finally have video. You get to see the faces of me and our good friend, Connor. Introduce Hi, yourself. <laughs>
1: Hi, I'm Connor. I've only been on the channel once before. I'm excited to be doing this podcast with you.
0: Yeah. He's a advent player of Vanguard, just like everybody else that's on the channel. And uh, I'm going to hear his opinions on some stuff. Uh, today's topics are going to be the new Sentinel PGs, which is interesting when the order of attack you should have in the game and knowing when to guard. All right, welcome back. So, we'll start the topic off with new Sentinels. So, as Bushy decided to leak to us, we got brand new uh, PT Sentinels.
1: A lot of fun. We've already played with them a little bit. Mm -hmm. I definitely like how they help.
0: So, their new skills now is basically the same as normal PGs, but you only have to discard if you have, you know, two or more cards in hand. So, if you know, you only have two cards and you have two PGs in hand, or two free PGs. It's a lot of fun. That helps... Tremendously, and I, I can tell you that now, like, it fixed all the problem with guarding. Like I was upset about the shield values and everything because it's like getting steamrolled and steamrolled and steamrolled. But wow, that that made that made a big difference in, in playing, especially with some of our videos. Like you watch the top deck heroes video with uh, Keter and uh, Dark States, you can notice how far those games went just because of the order, the perfect guard to I mean,
1: I've already played a little bit. I did most of my playing with Dragon Empire, but I was able to hold my my overdress cards a lot longer because I would be able to use a nullify to protect. Or otherwise, I'd need two to three cards to block something. Mm-hmm. It helped. It helped keep me in there for the late game.
0: Yeah, and I'm curious on how this is going to translate later because normally when you were guarding, you had to, you know, try to save your PGs for last for the big attack, and you know you'd be guarding and guarding and guarding and trying to save your hand because you want to have cards resources for the PG. Now you don't have to worry about that. You can just guard away. You can uh, win a pass or. 5K guard, 5K guard, 5K guard, and then null, null. But after they draft check the, with the Vanguard, which helps a lot, honestly. Unless the only time that well, even the, even if they hit an over trigger, it's still amazing. You have two PGs in hand. That's all you have. You guard the you guard the over trigger.
1: I've actually done exactly that. I like I like that it is a grade one. It's the first time I've used a grade one Sentinel in a deck and kept it.
0: I do think though that people are going to be upset about that though, because whenever we had the draw PGs, it added a lot of deck splits flexibility for people to make things i think the ride deck's going to mitigate that a little bit because now that you have the ride deck you don't have to have four copies of the cars there in the ride deck you only have to have them like crew is going to help some of the effects like uh zorga the new stuff that he has they all gain like 5k and 2k and make good numbers whenever you play an order so you want to run four copies of those in your deck but say like uh the overdress deck the dragon empire one you're probably just gonna run them in your ride deck. You're probably never gonna run them and like four copies of that in your main deck. I'm never
1: gonna keep the priestess. They're they're there specifically for writing, mm-hmm. And once once I have more stuff to work with, I'm probably gonna take the three that are in the main deck out of each of the grade one and two.
0: But then again it comes to like that's where you would have had your uh, your draw triggers. Would have filled up the space. Well now you you have possibly more, because that's like what, six cards technically, if you take the grade ones and the twos out over the four cards that the draw triggers probably provided and now you get the grade one draw, uh, grade one draws, or whatever.
1: The grade one PGs. Not, the grade I, one PGs. <laughs> I do enjoy. I do enjoy that they're grade ones. Um, I've I've come into Vanguard and out of it for work for different reasons, and every time I've come back, guarding has changed. Uh, I left and then came in, and then draw PGs existed, and suddenly the grade ones were out of my deck, so that I could use the draws. And then I came back, and there were crit PGs mm-hmm. for the high shield value, and I just saw no disadvantage to running them. Everything I've ever played runs at least four crit.
0: Yeah, and that's what a lot of people are going to notice real quick as the sets progress is that, like you're not locked into having to run draw triggers in your deck now to P- the perfect guard. I've been thinking exactly that. Probably yeah. not going to run them in Dragon Empire. Because now you can run flexibility over right? I want to run fronts. I want to run crits. So on and so forth. I mean, you can still run draws if you want them. They're there, but you know, they're still the same old regular draws with 5K and 5K shield. <laughs> I,
1: I do also like that as grade 1s, they're grade 1s worth guarding with mm-hmm. because, again, the 5k shield value on normal grade 1s hits drawing, uh, mm-hmm. guarding a little bit harder.
0: Uh, one more thing I want to talk about with these uh, Sentinels before we move on to the next subject is the art.
1: <laughs> they all look fantastic.
0: So the fun thing about these, and I noticed this with the over triggers, is that if you looked back at the premium collections, the uh, Progenitor Dragons, yeah, they were very much a mix, like the Xerox, of all the nations into one. They kind of encompassed everything in that nation into one unit. And I feel like these are very, very similar. Not so much for Dragon Empire, because, well, I guess if you count the stash, the stash around it is the ninja aspect.
1: Yeah, it it gets a little bit of it.
0: Um, But the others definitely feel that. Like, Dark Zones definitely feels like an amalgamation of everything in there. Uh, Brank Gate definitely feels feels like that. It looks a lot like the uh, Progenitor, actually, when we got it. Oh, and, yes, it does. Um, the Horse Dragon <laughs> definitely is uh, a Keter Sanctuary. It's and, at home. And there's definitely flower aspects. There's definitely, like, an animal aspect to the uh, Stoicaea. So I feel like that fits, too. But it definitely has, like, that Progenitor look to these.
1: It, it feels like it'll fit in any deck, no matter how you try to play that nation. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, yeah, so that was the Sentinels. So next subject we're gonna talk about is order of attack. So I feel like we should cover some topics about um, mechanics of the game and styles of the game because some players, like newer players, don't know, hey, what order of attack should I go with? Is it better to do this or to do this, guarding and so forth? So I'm gonna cover a few things like that. We'll start with the order of attack. So what do you feel? is the best order of attack if you have just three units, your Vanguard and two rearguards.
1: If we're counting out all effects from the front from anything that's in the, on the field right now, mm-hmm. most people are excited to hit that drive check because especially at grade three, mm-hmm. having twin drive changes everything. It can make your attack suddenly hit. So I know a lot of people go with the Vanguard first. Mm-hmm. That's lost me many games.
0: <laughs> yeah, most of the time... Going vanguard first is never the best way to go. Because, I mean, yes, it's a safe route because you can always just throw your triggers on the rear guard. But most of the time, you want to power scale because there's not a a guarantee that you're going to rip a trigger. And then what happens when your opponent rips a defensive trigger? Now your rear guards that you were going to swing with probably can't attack. But if you were to swing with them first, they had an opportunity, and then you have an opportunity with the vanguard to swing the drive check. So my opinion is, if you go rear... Rear guard, vanguard, rear guard. That's the better way because it gives you a good balance of when the swings. Now, there is, you know, uh, exceptions to this. And exceptions would be in premium if you're running stand triggers. Stand triggers, at that point, you definitely go rear guards first (laughs) because your vanguard can stand stand triggers and stand rear guards. Um, If you have a re-standing vanguard, then, at that point, I would go Vanguard first.
1: If it, This is entirely like Dragon Empire right mm-hmm. now wants to swing with Vanguard first because you're going to power up overdrive. Yes. So that's another exception. But for for the most part, when I build a field, I go left to right, with left being my weakest, mm-hmm. then Vanguard, then right being my highest rear guard rail.
0: Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people that play Vanguard Zero already know about this, but power scaling helps a lot because the, you you can't always bank on your opponent never get a defensive trigger. There's always the possibility of your opponent hitting a defensive trigger. Mm, excuse me. And because of that, you know you got to think, well, will this hit? Well, I mean, that's the best way to put it. Is is this going to hit if they hit a defensive trigger? If no, okay, then I should probably swing with this
1: first. That's that's something I've been picking back up as, especially with overdress. I've I've learned the over trigger mm-hmm. will ruin turns.
0: And that's another weird one because now that we have over triggers in, in the game, if you know you're only gonna have three attacks, that's where things get a little wonky. Because people are probably gonna be banking on, hey, you know, there's still a possi there's a good opportunity for me to hit the over It's still in the deck. Well, what if I swing with Vanguard first? Because then I can just give the two rearguards a hundred million. And they can hit no matter what, as long as they don't have a perfect guard. So there gives that. And then if you go to the rearguard, Vanguard, rearguard Cynchic, and you drive check it, well, cool, you Vanguard... You can't give, you know, the other rear guard 100 million so you're just going to give it to the vanguard. And it's already swinging, so if it got PG'd then it was just a waste of the power. And then the other 100 million, we're talking about the Startech overtrigger by the way, not the other ones because we have no idea what the other ones might bring. But just that alone is like, okay, well, I just wasted the effect because it already got PG'd and there's only one rear guard that can get the 100 million.
1: It's it's definitely a waste. Um, but I was actually thinking about it as a guarding card <laughs> in hand. <laughs> because it is effectively a PG unless they hit their over-trigger when you block with it. Having that much shield value is enough to stop... I don't know. A lot. You say that, but let's say you're going against
0: Dragon Empire, right? They overdress, they swing with Vanguard, they hit their over-trigger... You're dead. And they re-stand, and they do the effect again. So there's already 20 on top of the plus 10, and then they're already a base of 10, so there's already 40, not including any triggers or other effects that are boosting it.
1: They might get over that over-trigger. They might, and then you have to consider in that case they're also getting two more drive checks. You're you're blocking for a lot of potential more than you're blocking for the solid numbers, mm-hmm. which is where a lot of in- entering players have trouble. They're not just blocking for the immediate number.
0: Mm. That's a good segue though to our other topic, uh, knowing when to guard. I feel like this is a really really big topic that a lot of newer players miss a lot and don't know or not experienced with is knowing when to take a hit and when not to take a hit. Because early in the game, it's obvious, you know, you can take some hits. But there's a point where you want to say stop and there's a point when you want to say, okay, I want some more damage because I need resources. So throwing it to you, when would you say is a good time to guard and a good time not to guard?
1: I I personally very rarely guard on, on the first, first attack. The only time I've ever done it is when someone tried to board rush me. Mm. Um... <laughs> And I'll still take two damage from it because there's no point not to. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, I do find that if you eat too much damage in the early game, you're much more pressured late game because you're never going to have the hand size needed to block. Mm -hmm. So I I usually find I do my best when I'm taking at least one damage every turn. It gives me the chance for something to block with on a trigger, but I'm not relying on it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm also blocking... I usually find myself... Blocking the low, the lowest number because it's the easiest to block.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I recognize it's not always the best move.
0: <laughs> there's no, in my opinion, there's no easy way to gauge. Like, there's not like a safety rule. Like, I, I personally have like a a rule of putting, never put myself past three damage before they get the grade three, because they could easily just say double crit you right then and you're done, if they do that. So I always try to leave myself. 2, 3 max damage before I get to grade 3. Um, depending on the deck I'm doing, though, if, if it's not very counterblast intensive, like, uh, Stoickeia is a good option. Stoickeia has very... only thing it really needs to counterblast is the Vanguard. You can have other skills on rearguard, but they're optional. But you always want to have yourself at least 1 counterblast. So before you get to grade 3, you can leave yourself at 2. And that guarantees you three, at least 2 of Magnolia skills. But you really don't want to put yourself too high because say you're going against like uh, Dark States and you put yourself at three and they decide to final rush you. And then you're looking now five attacks and depending on your situation, you may or may not have the,
1: the hand to guard all of it, especially if they uh, Persona Ride. Yeah, Persona Ride definitely, definitely changes. It actually has changed when I choose to guard in a turn when they Persona Ride too.
0: But I feel like I... If you're gonna guard though, especially in the late game, late game this is this, I feel like this is like key. Always guard small attacks because you're gonna use less resources from your hand. If you were to go gu- say uh, this little guy here swinging for, I'm a 13k Vanguard is swinging for uh, 14. Okay, so I could let that hit, but what happens when the other attacks are bigger and I don't have the shield? always guard what you can but at the same time, don't overguard. Don't leave yourself defenseless on the next turn, if that makes sense. Unless it's absolutely dire and you're at 5 damage and at that point, you're like oh, yeah, I know I'm going to die right here. I should probably guard everything.
1: <laughs> yep. I, I find new players. I, I have friends who are slowly getting into Vanguard, mm-hmm. so that's, that's a lot of fun playing with them. But I find them trying to block every attack which isn't it's not smart
0: and that that's the one thing I noticed about uh new players that pick up the game like straight out of the gate they have the tendency to feel like guarding everything like they're gonna die if they have don't if they take damage so they have the mentality of guarding everything no 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 Counterblast blast is a resource in the game and it is okay to take some damage just don't take a lot don't no know, know when to, when to stop I feel like being at two damage before grade three is a good start And taking only one damage past that every turn is a good start after that because it gives you wiggle room unless you need um, more effects that require counterblast intense.
1: It also gives you the chance to recover from if your opponent happens to double crit, especially on their first grade three. They just gave you two more counterblasts is all they really did. They didn't push you for for the game. Exactly.
0: Also, keep in mind that certain decks also really won't counterblast uh, Keter Sanctuary's Order is a good example. Um, if you have it in hand, it's a good idea to leave yourself at least with two open CB when it comes to your turn. Because it's probably going to plus you at least one card your hand because it replaces itself and draws your card. And it gives a unit plus five. So that it gives you resources to work with. So, it, you know, it can return it. it can turn into a unit or a shield. And the card you draw can also turn into a unit or a shield. It don't have to beat the Order, which is a dead card in your hand. So at that point, you want to give yourself at least two C B. So there are moments where you're like, okay, then I need to take the damage. So, again, it kind of weighs on your deck. But on an average roll, I feel like don't guard immediately in the game. It's okay to say I'm going to take a hit. Unless your opponent's like grade one rushing you. But then at that point, your dynamic changes a bit. You, you, could, you could take some of this damage and you can guard some of it. At that point, I would just say go to the same mentality you would if you're at a grade three, you know, throw down, your, throw down the, the pokes, guard them easy, and then take the vanguard, because they're going to probably drive-track a crit. But if you guard the rest of the rear guards, they're, they're throwing down a whole board, like, cool, well, you only took two damage from all this. They have no hand. Now you can just push
1: back harder in the follow-up. I find your two damage is good. I find that counter blast heavy decks will want to stop at three before your opponent hits grade three, because you're trying to buy yourself turns at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but two or three is a good number to, to sit at. I usually tell anyone who comes into the game to try to sit at three because it takes less pressure off of guarding, lets them focus more on playing their deck.
0: Oh, I can see that. So I'm going to throw a uh, wild card into this. So we, we we're talking about guarding and everything, but there is a dynamic now in the game, especially with Overdress, because they've changed a lot, that puts a twist on this. Blitz orders. Blitz orders are back, and some of you that played V-series, if you have, you already know what I'm talking about. We have more blitz orders that are like a uh, quick ticket. Yeah. But for new players, they're going to say, well, what is this? Well, it's an order that you can use defensively like a shield. You can use it on your opponent's turns. And a good one is uh, the only one we have right now is uh, Stoacea's. Or Stoacea's. I keep missing up it. Oh, that's how that's pronounced? Stoacea. So, K is... is uh, it gets plus five, and then if you hit the condition, uh, it gets plus 15 if you have three or one in the back row. Yeah, that's big. So, that makes a difference, because, you know, depending on how you play your game, it could make you, you could have bigger shields. So, it can impact the way you guard, and also your, the way your opponent plays can also impact your guard. If you're playing against Dragon Empire, they can pop one of your back rows and shut down your guard. It drops it from 15 down to five. So... Don't rely on those. Keep in mind the same mentality, but at the same time, also play around with stuff like that. Like if you know that you know your opponent is never, unless you drive check, it, your opponent's probably never going to know or use a skill that you have that in your hand.
1: They can assume,
0: but they're not going to just waste resources just to kill something just because you know their assumption you have you have it.
1: Yeah, if I were to if I were to start assuming you have that in hand to guard with every turn, mm-hmm. I'm suddenly putting a lot more resources into hitting things that. I'm I'm over calculating, and that will cost me resources almost every single time. But since we're talking about blitz orders, what do
0: you think could be the possibility of other blitz orders? Like, you're going to get more blitz orders, obviously.
1: Yeah.
0: But How far do you think they're going to go?
1: That's hard to predict. I like the blitz order we currently have because it's a level of opponent interaction. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think. And how is it pronounced, Stoikea? Stoikea. Stoikea. I think it's probably the best for its Blitz order because that Blitz order plays to the way every set currently we know for it wants to play. Mm -hmm. It wants to have a full field. Yes. Uh, That would be a lot harder to predict with something with, like, uh, Overdress from Dragon Empire. Mm -hmm. Now, unless it gave power... To your overdressed units to help protect your rearguards, which are the real running engine of Dragon Empire. Mm-hmm. That's a little different. Because if during your turn my overdress gets plus 10K, you're not going to rearguard swing at it anymore. Not really.
0: So I know there are people out there they are thinking about this.
1: But orders have skills,
0: <laughs> it doesn't have to be power, they have skills. Who's to say that Brantgate won't get an order, Blitz order, that says imprison a card? When your opponent's attacking, or who's to say Dragon Empire won't get a blitz order that retires, in a rear guard.
1: That's very true. It could, it would definitely be a back row. We're not going to have them just oh, no, no, deleting no. something that
0: well, swinging. We had a denial Griffin, so Fair. it could be something like a
1: denial Griffin on an order. I, it could, we could definitely see it. It would be a game changer. It would definitely immediately push up. A, d- a deck into a higher tier, because of the ability to just not only block an attack, but stop an attack.
0: Yeah. Who's to say, like, oh, cool, you ripped 100 million, that's cool. <laughs>
1: I'm just going to blitz order this and kill it. Be gone. <laughs> yeah, no, I could definitely see that. Um, I don't think we'll immediately get it, but down the road, I definitely think that would be...
0: And obviously it's going to have a cost to it, too. It's probably oh, like Tender Blast 2 or something. or Something skull. big. Yeah. It's not going to just be like, play this card like Study K is. Stoic is pretty good, but at the same time, it's like, okay, it's just like, it would be a normal shield
1: yeah. in your hand. I think Counter Blast 2 would probably be a good cost on that. It's late enough in the game, if you have two Counter Blast and you need to delete an attack, mm. you're probably already losing. That's when you need it.
0: But I can definitely see something like Brantgate Gate for the Imprison deck getting something But But uh, yeah, so I, I feel like there could definitely be more blitz orders. Um That'd be interesting dynamic, though. We'll definitely see them. Because... Blitz orders is definitely going to be a big part for Stoica for sure because that that we got uh, what's his name Zorga. Uh, he works on normal orders, not blitz orders. So blitz orders are honestly a little bit dead in his deck. Like yes, your rear guards get effects when you play orders, but his ability you can only um, alka magic with normal orders. So that helps, yeah. So as we can see a lot of these effects are very, very, like, prominent on these orders. And I like how Bushiro is pushing orders now. Like, back in B-Series, orders were just there. You had one blitz order, and then you had all these generic orders that are like, why would I even play this? The book was probably the one that got the most use, or the unlock one that occasionally got used, but they rarely got used because they were so overcosted or so niche that you'd almost never play them. But now we're seeing, like, these orders that are like, ooh, now the whole deck revolves around these orders. Which is nice because it gives a big change because now you're not stuck on units. You're stuck on playing other things. You're thinking. Like, now we have field spells technically. Now we have um, instants and sorceries, like magic now in the in the game. And it's making you like, think, like, well, what's, what's a good ratio? Because some decks may not want to play a lot of units, but some decks might want to play a lot of units.
1: I find, uh, specifically working with Dragon Empires, Mm -hmm. I find it helps with consistency, but it doesn't do just one thing. I do get, you know, my overdress engine for the deck back, Mm -hmm. but I also power something else up. It does two things at once, which is definitely a nice direction for it. Mm -hmm. Um, I find, I was concerned, I guess, with Cater's order it's definitely cost intensive but it helps it does what it's supposed to it puts stuff where it needs to be yes
0: and I, get, and I get the way I told Philip about this card this is how it looked at it because he's like he didn't think of it as a great card and I thought it was an amazing card you know why because it takes up a grade three slot in your deck that's not an actual grade three and it replaces itself with things that could not be grade threes to help you survive because the deck is so flooded with grade threes and it wants
1: a lot of grade threes it has a lot of potential. Yeah, I can see what you mean.
0: Because if you think about it, like, oh, well, you know, I, I can, I, this could be a grade three unit. Well, what's that grade three gonna unit do in your hand? It's, it's just dead. Unless you play on the board. But you don't have, like, extra slots. You only have five slots. Yeah. You're just gonna waste out your entire hand because otherwise you'd have no hand to guard with in general. You're right? But if you use the order, it counts as the grade three. But it's, it itself can not only replace itself, but draw you a card. And be either shield or more units that you could use to, to benefit your grade threes.
1: Okay. So yes. it's
0: not just a dead card in your hand.
1: I okay, yeah, I, I agree. I did I did hit it as a grade three for my write up chain, so right. I was able to draw off of it. Yes. I did I did then immediately play it. I did hit two grade threes with it, mind you. But in the off chance that that was a perfect guard in something else that I could play, it's definitely it has great defensive potential.
0: Because if you think about it, by the time you could play it, it's only when you're in grade three. And by that point, you want three grade threes in your hand for the grade two skill. Correct. So
1: you can draw an additional card.
0: Exactly. So it and two other grade threes are already going to be your deck. The likelihood of drawing one to more grade threes is rare. But it can happen, but it's less likely. So the fact that it's probably going to replace itself with a card with shield is better than it just being a dead grade three. And then it could also plus you another card that has shield, not just it, it placing itself. I
1: like it's, it's very interesting. As, as I think about it, um, there's currently not much in the way of searching in, in Overdress. Mm-hmm. Um, but Orders do play a big enough role in some decks that you could one day see cards that search out Orders.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Zorga. <laughs> yeah. is so heavily reliant on Normal Orders, that I can easily see a card to say, hey, I'm going to search for an Order.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And... Uh, if if you need to recover, then I could even see Dragon Empire getting something that gets in their order back so that they can keep playing off of their overdress because mm-hmm. that's, that's always a constant target.
0: And then we, we still have enough to see if we're going we're gonna to get even more set orders. <laughs> we talked about this last episode, but, you know, Brandgate just isn't the only one that can just use the order zone.
1: Yeah, it's an actual zone on the field, so we could see a lot more set permanent order. orders on the field.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, I love the direction you're going with this, but I'm just curious with Blitz orders because... A lot of people miss the aspect of interaction between in Vanguard back in G. They miss having G guards interacted with your opponent's board and disrupting because the one thing about Vanguard, yes, it's back and forth, back and forth, but a lot of players also don't like being able to say, well, I have no control over this. Like I don't like being able to say, well, they're just going to do it anyways. There's no, there's nothing I can do about it. The good thing about Blitz orders is it could ba- add back the same aspect of G, where it's like, cool, I can lock your back row, or I can retire your rear guard, or I can I, I can do interact with your board some way so that, way I'm not just dying. I I have a say in what happens.
1: It disrupts my opponent's turn mm-hmm. directly instead of I'm just throwing my hand at it
0: you. It also makes skill for the other player because, you know, you have to think, well, do they have something like this? Blith- a Blitz Order that could affect my turn if I try to do all this? I have, say, the Retire one, right? Yeah. You're, you're playing Stoic A, right? They, um... Hmm, that's a good example. They swing with their rearguards in the back row, right? Yes. Cool, well, I can pop that one in the back row with, a quick sh- uh, with an or- the uh, with the Blitz Order, right? Before they attack with the end of the Vanguard attack. Well, cool, now they don't have that really good target they were going to use to attack from the back row because it had a skill on the back row.
1: It's very interesting. And again, as you mentioned it, with Dragon Empire, let's say I do swing and retire a rearguard. Mm-hmm. If you used an order to specifically the one we already have, to buff your field, that buff goes back down. I can control how much you're guarding with in a situation like that.
0: And the really, really good part? I think Brant Gate can really benefit from this if it gets an Imprisoned Blitz Order. For the simple fact that your your opponent's probably saying, oh, okay, cool, well, they've wasted out a lot of their resources. They have a Soul Blast, but they can't Counter Blast to keep taking my stuff, right? Yeah. So they're going to pay all their resources. I'm going to take this so you have nothing. You have one Counter Blast. You can't get the three, right? Yeah. I attack, I attack, I attack. I'm going to blitz order, soul blast one, imprison one of your back rows. Now I have one ready, so I'll have to do a CB1 to get there.
1: Yeah, that, that's not just opponent interaction. That's you setting up your turn on your opponent's turn. And it's disruption. Yeah, it's, it's everything.
0: So I can see them easily doing stuff like this in the main set. Yeah, I can too. That would,
1: that would be very powerful. It would also be enough to, to add variety to, to decks so that you're not just playing the exact same thing.
0: Exactly. So that's why I'm interested to see what they do with Blitz Orders because depending on how they treat them, it could either be just, okay, cool, they're just like, here's some shield. (laughs) Or they can be really good disruption effects that can interact with your decks and make them way better.
1: Player interaction has definitely helped. Uh, It was definitely a lot of fun to play when I was thinking, how is my opponent going to prepare for me Mm -hmm. with the new order?
0: Yeah, that's all the topics for today's episode. (laughs) Um... Hopefully you guys like this. If you did, subscribe, like, share this video with you guys. That way more people can see this podcast and more people can listen to us talk about gibberish and Vicar. <laughs> but with that, this is the end of the episode, and we'll see you guys next week. Goodbye. Bye, everyone.